Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain, Bradley Burrows and guests. Welcome to this episode 21 of the NZ Tech Podcast. Uh, I'm here at the Microsoft Worldwide Partners Conference in Los Angeles. I'm Paul Spain. I'm Bradley Burrows, and we want to thank Microsoft for bringing us over to the conference, the WPC, to report back to you all on, on the events that are going on in the partner community. And um, yeah, we're going to give you an update on day two and what we've seen so far. Yeah, so it's uh, Tuesday here in Los Angeles. Uh, we've just come from the keynote session. Again, uh, as per yesterday, you'll, you'll notice a lot of background noise as we've tried to find a, a gap away from uh, away from that, but uh, it's a pretty busy uh, pretty busy conference. There's apparently about 15,000 people here so we've just come from the keynote uh, this morning and so we're, we're in a pretty large stadium. Which stadium was that Brad? It's the uh, Staples Centre where the Los Angeles Lakers play. So it's, I mean, we, were, we were lucky this morning to get down with the media right down up and clo- um, close this morning and we got a really good view of what was being said and spoken and some of the devices that were being shown this morning. Yeah there were definitely some, uh, some cool gadgets to be seen. Uh, they showed off some new uh, Windows phones Seven handsets that haven't been uh, haven't been shown off publicly before. Uh, there was a bunch of new Windows Seven laptops, slates, various other devices as well. So that was great to see. Yeah, they also went through um, some of the new products that are going on at the moment, um, especially on the Windows Server side. Um, Satana Nadal talked around some of the new System Center 2012 products, which we'll talk about a little bit later, and also some of the new cloud services along with CRM. So for partners out there, it was really really interesting to see a. A lot of the tools that are coming out, um, and I got really excited by seeing how some of these tools are now enabling partners to manage private and public clouds and pull that together in one area. We'll go that, into that in a couple of minutes. Yeah, and 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 again, this uh, this podcast is you know is aimed primarily at the uh, the partner community and the and the and the tech industry again, uh, but I'm sure there'll be others that will find some interesting uh, snippets in our discussions. So you know, feel free to uh, to to listen in. Um, you know, although this is now normal sort of weekly. Uh, uh, podcast format. Uh, if you're looking out for that and hearing all the, the latest sort of broad gadget news and so on across a range of, of vendors uh, and and products, and you know we'll, we'll be coming back with you uh, with that uh, in our next uh, full blown episode next week. Um, but but getting into the content, there was uh, there was a, a bit of stuff shown off with the new uh, SQL Server 2012, or we don't know the, what what that's going to be called officially, but the Denali uh, codename released, didn't we? Yeah, look, this this is um. Uh, as people know, I obviously work for Microsoft, and one of my peers, Karina Oliver, she's actually the SQL product manager for New Zealand, and she's been very excited about this product for partners for quite a while now. Um, couldn't quite get it, I get it today. Um, this thing was stunning. What it really does is pull together for partners to implement really simple BI solutions with really rich data. But the key thing that I really took away from watching the demonstration was actually that you can now pull in third party data sources from the cloud, from the Azure cloud and pull it in and the demonstration they did gave very rich enterprise tools for partners to deliver to anyone any of their partners small medium enterprises right through and and that was really powerful simple and Denali was really really nice I really get it now yeah and it's definitely uh, you know some of you will find it interesting to uh, to watch the uh, the video of that keynote as well uh, they, one of the things they showed off was this this PowerPoint like uh, you know front end in terms of just how easy it was to access some of the uh, business and 
intelligence, uh, capabilities in Denali. Uh, so yeah, that, that stuff looks really good, and I think you know being able to uh, just ena- enable you know everyday uh, office users and so on to be able to get in, pull out that, that information, display it, animate it, uh, you know, with a with a sort of set of tools that that they're already uh, familiar with. I guess you know there's nothing too scary about the uh, you know the front end we compare it to using PowerPoint and other you know other sorts of tools. So that yeah. was cool. Yeah, I know. I think it's building on the power pivot that they've had in Office 2010, and this is that sort of next iteration, but built into the database side. Um, and I, yeah, for partners, I think they've got a great opportunity there to be able to deliver those enterprise features, like I said earlier. Um, and it was really rich, and it was a very simple way of doing it. So yeah, and the uh, and the and the demonstration that were that was shown, uh, they were showing off uh, sales of particular types of vehicles, and in the graph you could you you got to a certain point and saw how the uh, the sales of hybrid vehicles had really taken off at this particular point in time, and then they demonstrated well, hey, you know that's good but what's the reasoning behind it and so then they went and they pulled in this third party uh, data source uh, through um, through you know, through an online um, an online source is that from the Azure marketplace yeah and that yeah. was that was something that for me I hadn't heard a lot about the um, the Azure marketplace there's a lot of ISVs that are developing applications mm. that they're putting in there I mean some of the numbers they talked about were there was one partner that put in a Azure marketplace app and I think he said they made three hundred thousand dollars in the first quarter by just having that up app up in the Azure marketplace. Mm, yeah. well, so it's quite, quite interesting. And in, in, in that particular demo, that you know, where they were trying to work out why there had been this trend upwards in the uh, um, in the hybrid vehicles, then they pulled in this other data source which showed uh, petrol prices over the period, and you could see that the sales of particular types of vehicles, four by fours or uh, and the and the like, uh, and 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 the hybrids were directly tied to what was going on with the um, you know the price of petrol in the in the uh, in the region at the time, so um, I, I can see that being really interesting. So, Paul, we have, we've just come back from the server presentation that we attended about five minutes ago. So, what were your thoughts? Yeah, that was uh, that was really interesting. And you know, the thing we, we heard up front was we're going to hear a little bit about the Windows Server 8 or Windows Server 2012, whatever they're, they're going to call it, but the next version of Windows Server and. Yeah, they're, they're they're really keeping the lid on this. I have to say they uh, they didn't let a whole lot out of the bag. But what they the one they said, look, we're going to tell you about one out of you know a hundred or more new features, and the one feature they talked about sounded sounded pretty cool. Actually. Well, they showed us, didn't they? Actually, yeah, yeah. yeah they, they showed us the um, uh, the process to set this up. Now, of course, when you're in a demo room and you know they're, they're doing that sort of thing, they they don't necessarily talk about all of the complexities and the and the technical challenges associated, maybe with uh, with, with this new feature, um, but but what they showed off uh, was a capability uh, called Hyper-V Replica, and what it does is it creates a um, a a full replication of a virtual machine, sort of on the fly. So you can say, look, I want to uh, I want to replicate this server to this lo- this other uh, server, and that can be a server that's on your local uh, LAN on your local network somewhere, or it can actually be at a remote location, and Ooh, so the cloud. They did say as a cloud. Yeah, as well. yeah, such, such as the, such as a cloud. Yeah. Um, and so you could say, well, look, every hour, and I'm not sure. I didn't. 
and I'll have to look through the, the video on it again to capture what those um, uh, time intervals are that you can set. You can set a, a, a regular uh, replication type sure, cycle yeah. so that off-site you will always have a live copy of, uh, of the server in question that you've chosen to replicate, which sounds great. Yeah, and one of the other features was that it was really customizable around this feature as well because you could actually say, well, hold the last three days and then archive the other four. Um, it allowed you time intervals and everything like that, but it was hardware agnostic. So they was they've stated, and we've got it on video, that it's we can go to any hardware, any SAN, across any NIC, across any WAN. And that was really impressive that they've abstracted themselves from that hardware layer. So pretty much he held up a bit of Ethernet. He said, all you need is the server and Ethernet and your destination point and they can replicate Sure, so in a WAN scenario, you, it's going to vary according to how much bandwidth you've totally. got, right? Uh, and, I, and I guess you know, that's obviously the case. Uh, so, so there's a bit there we're going to have to, we're going to, have to learn more about in time. Um, they, did, they did also show off another uh, feature in terms of the number of um, virtual CPUs that are supported. Yep. Uh, currently on Hyper-V, how many is that that's eight. supported? Yeah. It's a maximum of eight. Yep. So they, they showed it off running uh, 16 virtual CPUs, uh, but our, our impression is that that's going to be uh, going to be considerably higher. Uh, we'll, we'll, you know, they didn't make a formal announcement on, on just how high that will go, uh, but you know, that, that's really positive for you know, really high-end systems that, uh, that you'll be able to support a, you know, a whole heap of um, uh, virtual CPUs in a, in a machine. So you know, in, a, in a situation where you've got a server with a lot of cores, then you can dedicate those to um, you know, individual uh, VMs if you wish to. Yeah, so. look, I see this being a real benefit for partners and hosters um, that have wanted to build up those huge server clusters. Um, eight, eight CPUs was just a joke, considering some of the Microsoft software required 16 CPUs, um, like Link Server, for instance. So, yeah, it's the ability now to actually meet the competition, but I think um, partners and hosters are going to get the best benefit out of it, as well as IT pros being able to scale out these giant server farms. So, that looked really good. The other one that I really liked as well was um, they showed us Virtual Machine Manager 2012, and that looks stunning, yeah, really stunning. Um, so what that will enable you to do, similar to what we talked about before with the App Center staff, will allow you to manage your virtual environments, both public and private, but also fully integrated into VMware as well. So you can now manage the latest version of VMware, and you can provision, you can start up, you can choose a VMware cluster. It almost sits now above the hypervisor layer and just basically says, look, we'll manage anything, Citrix, VMware, or Microsoft. Yeah, it's quite agnostic to what that platform is. Um, uh, but you've got one UI that actually works across the whole lot. With, what do they call it? One pane of glass. Yeah. <laughs> that, was their, that was their term, one pane of glass. Yeah, I haven't heard that one before, but um, yeah, no, it, it, did, it did look good though, and um, some of their uh, the, the sort of templating capabilities in, as well in terms of um, uh, you know having having pre, pre-configured sort of Microsoft best practice scenarios that you could roll out. Uh, some of that templating stuff look, looked really cool, and um, I guess we'll find, find out a lot more about that over the over the next little while as well. Yeah, now you we also saw a sequel to Denali, which we got a preview this morning. They went into a little bit more depth today. What really sort of got you going about that? Because you were quite excited about that after we finished. Yeah, well, well uh, SQL Denali looked uh, looks really cool. That's actually available now for uh, for download and um, uh, technology preview three, I believe. So yeah, one of the things there was. Um, 
real high availability with this always on capability and the, the, the way they the way they showed that or the way they talked about it was you know effectively you know say in, in an environment you've just got a single uh, a single uh, SQL box today that you found maybe found it too complex to handle the uh, traditional replication capabilities. With this always on on uh, functionality, it's going to be much easier to replicate to another box. And and you know we don't really know all the ins and outs of, of how that will happen and how that compares with say one at the uh, at the hypervisor type uh, layer that, that they're offering there in server two, uh, two, 2012 whatever that next version is. Um, so yeah, we'll uh, we'll ha- we'll we'll certainly be looking forward to finding out a little bit more information uh, there as 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 time goes on. Um, so yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, there, there are a range of other features there, and, and there's a bit more information available online uh, around the Denali release of SQL Server. Um, but no, it, it looked really cool. Uh, oh, the other the other side uh, there that that looked great is the some of the performance increases, which in some areas they're talking about a you know ten times plus performance increase. Yeah, uh, that sort of stuff. Yeah, that that's really cool. So following that, we heard. Uh, we heard a little bit about um, server and from the server and tools uh, product manager, was it? Yeah, no, there actually was Satana Dahl, who's actually the lead, the vice president of uh, Windows Server and Tools. And then we had a couple of demonstrations from the System Center team. Now, later on today, we're actually going to attend a more detailed session. But what we actually saw was some really interesting stuff where the Windows Server product team, along with System Center, are actually building a new tool called uh, System Center App. Center, yeah, App Center. That looked looked really cool, right? Yeah. So what sort of it it pulls? I guess it creates an environment where you can manage both on-premise and cloud systems. Is that the that sort of the uh, the the core capability? Yeah. Look, what it is is a holistic view of your private and public cloud environments. Pulls it together one view, and you can actually deploy an application in the public cloud by hooking into say Azure, for instance, and actually all have also have some of the backend sitting in your own environment, your private cloud, and that allows you, it doesn't distinguish between public and private clouds for the infrastructure, it looks at it from one holistic view, which is going to be great for uh, people that want to deploy applications and get the best out of the public and private cloud together, um, one tool, one interface, which is, I think we're going to see a lot more of that in this afternoon session. Yeah, it sounded very interesting, and also talking about a uh, you know converged uh, authentication model, so when you logged in, uh, you had access to all of, all of these different bits and pieces. Uh, through you know one set of credentials, one user interface to do that, and yeah, you could you could basically you know build up how I want to do this, and it, and it builds up a map of how it will configure that in the best practice manner, uh, and you push a button and, and and deploy to cloud or or on-premise infrastructure, whichever you choose. Yeah, I think that's really important to note for partners is that when we say deploy, it actually physically goes out to Azure and will provision that service, so you can step up a an environment from four CPUs to six CPUs and it will do all that heavy lifting in the back end for the partner which makes it a lot simpler for partners to go out and manage applications they don't actually have to worry too much around provisioning more CPUs it's all done and it makes their management if you like of that infrastructure a lot easier so I think that's a big win for where partners are looking to move forward Um, but for IT pros as well this is going to be great to be able to pull your public and private cloud infrastructure together which has been very fragmented up until now I think. Mm. And there was also some comments around uh, the next version of Windows Server, which hasn't been announced, we have 
very very little it was very sort of scant but there was reference to some more information on that being uh, being released today so I guess that's the uh, you know Windows Server 8 or the you know the Windows 8 sort of um, uh, the server version of that so yep. that's going to be very interesting to hear uh, and we'll certainly see what we can report back on that uh, during during the podcast so uh, it, we, we're going to head across and, uh, and, and catch that information shortly so um, yeah look out look out for that now there was a bunch of other uh, areas that were that were covered during the keynote that talked about office how that's now uh, installed on a billion computers globally and and how office 2010 is just you know outselling every other uh, you know previous release of, of office and you know the deployments of it is, are, uh, are going very very strongly um, there was also a big talk around exchange how um, 65% of the world now runs on exchange and in the United States it's 73% I think they said so obviously there's been a big push off the Lotus uh, Notes yeah, platform other, I think they said yeah, 22 million people 22 million uh, migrations yeah users have, have migrated off uh, uh, Lotus Notes and, and Domino environments over the last five years so that's uh, you know something that continues to uh, continues to happen and, and I and I think we'll see more uh, you know more migration now into the you know, cloud oriented environments right yeah and I think you know one of the best things out of the uh, information worker which is the office sessions that we saw was link they demonstrated link in uh, various different ways but the big, big one for me was they showed link mobile working on Windows mobile 7 they also showed link working on the new some, these giant touch screens that they've got there and doing all this Bing translation. Should we talk a bit about that for a second? Uh, yeah, and that, that, that look, I mean, there were a whole range of things they showed off. You know, what I liked was seeing uh, uh, seeing Link, a, a Link uh, video call uh, connecting in to uh, uh, somebody who's sitting at home in front of their TV running a, um, an Xbox 360 with Connect. And of course, that's got its, uh, its video chat capability and so on that'll follow you around the room, uh, does all does all that, uh, but that can actually tie back into uh, into a business system as well, which is, is cool. Yeah, and I think for consumers and also uh, partners, Office 365 has Link built into the cloud. Now, whilst it doesn't have a lot of the, uh, what we call SIP trunking, so the ability to call from Link to a landline just at the moment, you still get all that video peer-to-peer capabilities and that richness that we're talking about. So, for, for partners that are looking to get into that space but don't want to get involved in the heavy infrastructure, Office 365 is a really good way for them to actually deploy it sell, deploy, migrate, create a services package around that and then actually go out and get involved in that space as yeah, well. Which great is way good. to get familiar with, uh, with Link, absolutely, absolutely, very easy. Now there are a few other bits and pieces that, that, that were showed off, um, they, were, they were talking a lot about the cloud again today, right? Um, there, were, you know, a, a, big, a big push, uh, a big push there. In fact, one of the things I, I don't know um, if we mentioned it yesterday, but Steve Barmer made an interesting comment, uh, and he said, he said Microsoft has never lost a deal to Google. I thought that that was very interesting. Uh, his, his comment was that the customers that have gone across to Google uh, are ones that have not engaged 
with Microsoft, and so that that that, that was his comment around uh, those people that have that have gone and, and moved into uh, um, the the Google uh, Google Apps and yep. and, uh, and Gmail within their their organisations. So. Um, yeah, I thought, thought that was interesting, and I think certainly what we're seeing with Office 365 um, makes, yeah, puts Microsoft in an extremely strong position in, uh, in that, that cloud space now. And we really saw that with some of the demos around Office 365, where we've got Link, we've got Office, we've got Exchange, uh, you know, we've got SharePoint, and that offering as I guess you know comes together really as a as a as a whole ecosystem yes uh, is very different from any of the other offerings that exist in the market where you've got various vendors providing one piece or another piece but not a fully uh, unified and complete solution that covers all of these bases so yeah that was that was interesting to see uh, they talked about some licensing uh, changes coming through that will help customers migrate from on-premise uh, licensing to the cloud yes so I th- uh, that was um, that was helpful to hear. I'm sure there's a lot more to hear behind the scenes on uh, on those things. So uh, yeah, enjoyed that. And there was a discussion of um, the opportunities that uh, that some, maybe some smaller partners have to be winning. Um, to be winning business and maybe they couldn't have in the past because the the level of infrastructure and so on to uh, to deploy maybe it was beyond their capabilities but by leveraging the cloud uh, they were able to actually work with, with some of those larger customers yeah and they gave us some really good examples where yeah small uh, small partners have actually gone out and, and competed in that in the enterprise tier one space and and using the, the cloud to give them a competitive advantage so uh, there's definitely an opportunity out there um, I think it's going to be a transformation I think partners and IT pros that wrap up a really good service packages around it will be the ones that I think will be here around in, in, a, in a couple of years with really good offerings. Mm. Now there was some talk also around uh, Microsoft CRM, Microsoft ERP, really the uh, the Dynamics products. Yes. Uh, this morning, and it was highlighted that um, Microsoft Dynamics CRM now has two million users across thirty thousand customers globally, uh, and that they've now seen over they've seen twenty four quarters of double digit growth. So obviously they're uh, you know they're, they're continuing to win some good uh, good increase in market share there, and you know with the Dynamics CRM. Uh, 2011 online product that potentially opens up things even more because you know in the past Microsoft has often been ruled out where a customer is looking for a cloud CRM based solution and they haven't had it certainly in the New Zealand market until the very recent release of uh, CRM online. The big thing for me was actually not around the product but a a statement that was made by the Vice President of the Dynamics I think his name is Kroll I think his name I think he's German was that uh, Microsoft will be um, 100% on on Dynamics by the end of this year. Um, they've been migrating off Siebel. So Microsoft was a huge Siebel customer. And so Microsoft Corporation will be 100% um, Dynamics by the end of this year, which is when you consider there's 120,000 people um, in the corporation, um, including contractors. Yeah, it's, it's a big big move. That's but a big change, yeah. yeah, he also highlighted that hopefully that partners are seeing a better interaction with um, Microsoft employees because of so, they should have more rich information. So from a partner perspective, Hopefully, you are seeing there. They also showed off a demo uh, of uh, Microsoft CRM app running on, on Windows Phone 7. 
that was interesting. Uh, it wasn't really something they announced, it was just sort of covered off in one of the demos that was being done, so I thought that was, uh, that was, that was good to see. Uh, and they also talked about the, um, the Dynamics ERP uh, products going forward will be available hosted uh, via Azure in the cloud. So yeah, that, that really opens things up because you know deploying CRM systems can be uh, you know can be a pretty challenging uh, thing at, at any time. And by being able to uh, leverage the cloud to do that, that uh, that sounds really good. Yeah, and they also mentioned that it'll be part of the Office 365 package as an add-on that you'll be able to, I suppose, just add in like a multi-choice option um, soon as well. Yeah. Um, so after that, what do we have coming up after that? Uh, well, we, we looked in and looked at some of that new hardware and one of the very interesting uh, things we heard was that the cost of building a smartphone, for instance, uh, or particularly the window, Windows phone type, uh, type hardware, uh, a smartphone at that sort of level last year cost about US $400. If you just look at the pure, pure you know, um, mm. you know, materials re- required to build that, the CPU, the memory and so on, uh, digital camera. Uh, what was what was highlighted by Andy Lee's was that uh, if we look forward into next year, uh, they're expecting that cost to build a Windows Phone uh, handset is going to be coming down to somewhere in the range of 100 to 150 US dollars. Yeah. Uh, so, you know. That may be by the end of 2012, but um, yeah, certainly sometime next year we're going to see. Uh, I, I guess you know, I guess that will start probably with the with the next uh, with the Mango release, new handsets that we see coming through uh, over the next few months um, globally, and then we will see that can, that those prices continue to decline um, over the next few years. Uh, but I mean, what we're talking about there is a cut in price. If we were look at it in terms of what smartphones are costing in New Zealand at the moment that are very, very feature rich. Uh, you know, iPhone-like uh, devices plus all the all the uh, Microsoft Office and Xbox and, and, and integrated capabilities. Um, those are what retailing typically around eight fifty to nine hundred dollars in New Zealand at the moment. Six so, six ninety nine. I think so the trophy is six ninety nine. You can yeah. and you can pick up you know things like the trophy often for for four and that sort of seven hundred dollar price range. So I imagine what we will see is that that those prices will half so yeah. uh, over the next twelve months or so. So you know you will be able to at some stage uh, be seeing those devices uh, around three hundred dollars and certainly um, you know they'll. Be well under uh, well under the five hundred dollar mark next year uh, yeah. on a you know I would imagine on a fairly typical basis if, if these numbers are right. So one of the other things that um, Andy Lee's talked about also was something that didn't get really a lot of publicity at CES, which is they showed off a Windows 8 motherboard which runs system on a chip, and it was the same size as a win- as a as a mobile phone. Mm. And this is the entire motherboard of Windows 8. So this was everything on there. You could run a full blown with office and everything else and what they were saying is that the convergence now of the mobile and the desktop and the hardware is actually going to be almost identical and he answered one of the questions that a lot of people have been saying is that why aren't they putting Windows Mobile onto a tablet? Well the answer is is that Windows 8 will become that platform and this will just become, an, uh, the Windows Mobile platform will just become an extension so they highlighted that IE9 on Mango release is actually the same IE9 that runs on the desktop 
top. So I think you'll actually almost see, now this is a guess, is that you'll see that it'll blend together over time yeah. and it'll be the one same operating system that will be able to run across all platforms. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a speculation, but that's what we're, I think we took out of that one. Yeah, no, it was interesting just, just to hear that, um, you know, that... that I guess stated because I guess we've picked up that's that's the angle that Microsoft have been taking, uh, but it's the first time it's been really clearly stated exactly what the strategy is and why. Because I think a lot of people were thinking, look, Microsoft could have released a stunning slim tablet this year based on the Windows Phone operating system. In fact, they you know, they they could have launched that within months of launching you know, Windows Phone. Uh, but you know, clearly their strategy is to deliver something much, much more powerful than what we're seeing uh, in that Android and and uh, iPad sort of tablet space today. So you know, the devices that we'll see next year will be in in the same uh, form factor and a, and a whole range of form factors as well, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, but you you will be able to do all the uh, fancy things you can, you know, the, the quick and easy things you can do on a Windows phone uh, today. But you'll also and and on other platforms like the iPad and so on, but you'll also be able to run all your line of business apps and any other custom bits and pieces you've got and and other apps that you've been running for a long time. So, um, yeah, that, that makes some sense. I think it's, it's frustrating for many uh, who would love to have, have seen, um, you know, seen a, 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 you know, some of these super thin, light uh, devices out in the market sooner, uh, but the strategy actually makes makes some sense. Yeah. I, I think between, just after this, though, was an interesting little segue that went off to one of the partners who hadn't really, at the time, he admitted, bought into the whole cloud theme, and it was really interesting to hear the partner talk around, you know, he heard Steve Barmer saying, you know, if you're not on board with us partners, then you're going to disappear and, you know, from last year. And he didn't get it. He didn't quite understand the story. And then he was talking around how um, his business experience that other partners that embraced the cloud had suddenly taken business away from him. And by him actually getting on board with this whole cloud idea of services, model everything, suddenly he's been able to get his business. Now, one of the key things I picked up was that he said that the, the, the deals were smaller but they were more profitable. So that they were able to then take together all those entities and actually be profitable from that side. So I, I, for me, that was a, a big win in what's going on at this point in time. Okay, well, thanks for that. We'll, um, we're going to come back after some of the sessions. All right, we're here with uh, Stuart Alexander from Ingram Micro. Uh, he's been here at uh, WPC, uh, or here for the week, and we're uh, going to chat to him and get a little bit of a perspective on uh, on the conference from a, a distributor's perspective. Uh, welcome, Stuart. Thanks very much. Great to have you on. So, WPC, what does it mean to you so far? Um, it's just a great opportunity to get up and spend as much time as we can um, understanding the, the where to strategies from Microsoft. Um, we also get to spend quite a lot of time with the, the country management from Microsoft as well, which is a big positive, getting, getting as much personal time with them. Yeah. Uh, and from a distribution perspective, there's obviously a, a, a reasonably large contingent of our reseller community here as well, so it gives us a good opportunity to spend time with, with a number of them. Right, so sort of dual, dual benefits there. Yeah, there's a lot of benefits there, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's excellent. Now, in terms of what you've heard so far, there's obviously uh, you know continued you know new things that we're hearing about in terms of the cloud. Um, what are the things that have stood out for you so far? I think we've heard a lot about the cloud prior to coming here, 
but the thing that probably stands out is just how focused Microsoft is on moving it, moving their partners and their customers, their whole community getting behind moving everything to the cloud. So the push, the push on 365 is huge. And so that's probably an area of a little bit of surprise in terms of the the speed with which they're looking to go there. Totally understand why they do that. Um, it's it's a great opportunity for a lot of our tier two resellers who have never had exposure to that part of the marketplace before that's um, an area they can probably fast start in um, so I think there'll be a lot of that and then those that are specialising or niche niche partners, um, integrators that, that are doing work around likes of link and that there seems to be a huge amount of pressure there too and I know Microsoft have got a pretty strong goal to, to be number one by about 2014 is what I understand so there, there's also a, a lot of uh, a, a adjacent sort of messages around cloud and Link, which have been quite interesting too. So, so what does cloud mean to you for, for Disties overall? Is it a good or bad thing, or sort of mixed thing? I think I think there's a lot of, and that's part of the reason why we're really here as well, is to sort of understand how that's going to work for for Disties. The, the Microsoft distribution sessions talked about the need for continuing two tier, three tier um, market go to market models. Mm-hmm. Um, so, trying to understand how that works given the current procure model is through Microsoft and then um, not a mandatory process back through reseller to Disty yet either so there's a lot of well, as I understand already 40% of the, the people that have gone to cloud and, and New Zealand marketplace didn't take a reseller on there on the process of going there. It's a direct model, basically. Even, yeah. even, well, even, it's not a direct model. No it's, they can, no, there's no difference in cost for them at all, yeah. but they haven't ticked the box that says this is the reseller. If they don't tick the reseller, then no one's ticking the disty. So, <laughs> so that's that, that, some, some, somewhat at odds, isn't it, with um, what we heard yesterday from, from Steve Barmer saying, oh, look, you know, as far as I'm concerned, 100% of the business we're doing is, is, uh, is through the partner mm. channel. And then, actually, when we when we look at the business being done today on 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 new stuff, yeah, mm. there's a there's a fairly large chunk yep. in the cloud that uh, that is bypassing that entirely. Yep. There's a there's a uh, a discussion on a current test deploy model using SKUs in the US through the channel, mm-hmm. which we'll be you know watching when we can get more information about it. Haven't seen any of that yet. Um, so that would be a positive outcome in terms of SKUs through the channel and normal process. Um, I think the other challenges for the reseller and, and the distier, are the revenue becomes the fee you get from Microsoft as opposed to the revenue you would have seen through too. So depending on how you track your business, sometimes people you know, who might have been a five, six million dollar business are suddenly going to be quite a bit smaller you know, yeah, if they've got a large proportion of Microsoft licensing. So what would you like to see Microsoft doing to fix for you guys especially what would be the nirvana you'd like to see them come out with well I think for us there's a lot of mandatory tick of the reseller and distrib- distributor um, would be good I mean at least we know it's that, done. Th- that's that's a yeah. commit to channel um, so that would be probably the big thing and, and I guess everyone who's who's buying a product they, they would you know, probably 99.9% of cases uh, have uh, a relationship with a with a, um, a partner of some sort. I think they would certainly on the on the first buy process, and then and then if they are looking to do anything niche wise, they're going to have one ongoing. So the challenge is, what happens to the the years two and three? Do they stay with the person who sold the first time? Does it get moved? There's a lot of there's a lot of uncertainty around how easy that is. Um, the customer can change every year. The customer can change any time. The, res- the reseller can change yeah. e- yearly. So there's different things as well. There's a whole lot of criteria still being worked out. 
some of the other challenges is at, at a distant level is because we're doing the open value stuff is there's there's no roadmap for where people are going between now and cloud there's no one talking about what if they don't go to cloud in three years time what's going to be there yeah. so no reason to sign a software what's the on-premise option there's no software assurance well you can sign software assurance but what are you signing for yeah. so there's a bit of uncertainty about that so people are going well there's no point signing it I'll just wait and that's a problem because a problem for Microsoft and for, for the channel because stalls the, the whole they're, they're stalling yeah. everything so, so is, is the big problem around Office 365 or is it the whole cloud model including Azure and everything else no, I think the cloud model is is inevitable. Yeah. So I think it's really more about currently just probably uncertainty on the, on the actual financial model in terms of how does the how does the how do we truly get recognised? What's the true value? There's been a lot of discussions around um, breakdowns of revenue and margin models under the cloud, but no comparison against an old model to a new model. Yeah. Um, because there's already existing revenues and existing renewal revenues and existing services revenue, but are they bigger or smaller? I think in reality the revenue is going to be less, but the opportunity has, has been touted as much bigger, so the, the currently uncaptured market becomes massively capturable, which is the SMB piece, which is which is the play that Microsoft are, are really pressing hard here to, to the reseller and, and Disney community is the real dollars might be smaller, but there's going to be a lot more of them. So it's quantity, basically, of uh, of the number of deals versus the actual each deal being huge, basically. Yep, cloud enabling reach, I think, is the is real is the real underlying message. Um, it's just a matter of will it be realised? And you know, certainly Microsoft are committed to win the battle. It's the model that comes through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for your time on that, Stu. Uh, it's good good to hear a little bit of your perspective. In, anything else that you want to add in terms of uh, what you've seen here and uh, you know the the value you found in, uh, in coming along? Oh, I think it's been it's been good so far from a networking perspective. I've got opportunities to get together with my own global business. So we've got a, a, an Ingram Micro AP meeting this afternoon as well. Great. So there's some opportunities for businesses that are multinational to get together. I know some of the other blokes have got together with their corporates as well um, and and then just seen some of the other cool stuff the Win, Windows Phone 7 things like that so you managed to get my wife one of those so oh you did buy one picked did up you? a phone picked up an Omni so incredible price on that you know 375 US and yeah, you know, just not, you're not going to get it in the, in the NZ. So that was good too. So you know, and I'm getting uh, text messages from everyone about which stand was that from. So there's uh, been a few Kiwis coming back with Windows phones. I think so. That'll yeah, be so. the Microsoft boys will be happy. Yeah, oh, that's good. And so you think you'll be uh, you'll be back again for uh, 2012? Oh, I think we'll, we'll we'll probably be back. And certainly there'll be representatives from Ingram. And you know, that's just a great opportunity to spend time with the partners and the Microsoft management, and and then do some other networking for with the Microsoft uh, internationally. So. We'll be back. Excellent. All right. Oh, thanks for your time. Thanks very much. Cool. Thanks, sir. Cheers. We're now going to cut over to an interview we did with a leading New Zealand partner that's attending a Microsoft's WPC. Excellent. Let's get into it. So we're here with uh, Jeremy Hunt from Fisheye in Auckland. You're a Microsoft Gold partner, is that right? Uh, not on the competency list right now. Okay. <laughs> but you've uh, you've been a gold partner, right? Been a gold and partner the, previous. Competency changes have probably impacted that a little bit recently. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. How are you finding those competency changes? Are they frustrating, or what do you what do you? Uh, look, I think from a from the SMB angle, there's certainly um, probably a lack of a pathway 
um, but we're working through that. We're working through that. So changes afoot. Um, otherwise, um, I guess you know part of the part of the good stuff that we've got here is some of the engagement with the um, MPN network. How you can um, actually get yourself back on track. Um, quite like the pinpoint stuff as well. Quite like the um, pinpoint. They'll help you write your profile. Um, really kind of just helping you get the job done. Yeah, it's, it's well worthwhile sort of coming just for those connections, right? Getting those, those bits of uh, helping hands here at the, at the conference. I've, I've found that last year too. So from, from the from the pinpoint side, um, from putting my Microsoft hat on now for the virtualization website, we've done the, we've been the first site in New Zealand to integrate pinpoint, and I cannot emphasize enough how key it is for partners to have. Their, like their pinpoint profile because when you search on virtualization through pinpoint those top partners are the ones that get the lead so for partners out there it's really really important to have that pinpoint and then the competencies help back up the statements and referrals but yeah hopefully that'll, that'll turn into something I've, I mean you can go in there and look up your stats and I've noticed the stats are at the moment you know they don't reflect a whole lot of hits or anything I mean you know pretty close to zero but you know we've heard of American partners getting a bit of business that way, so yeah. you know I think in the in the future that 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 may well change. Oh, uh, will change. It's, we're, you know it's definitely worth getting on there. So yeah, and yeah, I think they're pretty helpful with that stuff here. You've got to be into it, right? <laughs> so tell us, Jeremy, what are the what are the sessions that you well, what are the things you've got out of uh, the sessions you've been to today? So today, I guess day two. Um, Look, it's always good to see a few gadgets. It's always good to um, get an update on the formats, the um, the new the new uh, gear that's arriving. Um, but probably overall, it's it's just actually, I guess, three years in, you're also getting a you know pretty clear sense of the strategy now. You're also getting a sense of how fast things are moving, and how far that strategy is along the path. So, I think it's pretty good after three years to see it coming together. Um, are, are you positive about the strategy or what's your feelings about it? I think that the, the biggest challenge I'm seeing is the speed. Um, and What, too I, fast, too slow? Too slow in okay, terms good. of um, there's a whole lot to do. I mean, completely understand there's not really a stack that compares to it in terms of all the different integration points. But as a result, there's all the integration points and that just takes time. So... Um, progress, um, definitely positive, um, looking forward to Windows 8. Yeah, I think everyone's looking forward to Windows 8, you wouldn't find yeah, too, too many that are suggesting that be held up. The only people that don't want Windows 8 are the Apple fanboys at the moment, I think, so yeah, it's going to be good. Yeah, good, and uh, you know, what, what sort of things have you learned, you've learned today? So I guess, um, look, we revisited the um, Office 365 launch. It's always good to kind of pick up another couple of things that you perhaps didn't see in your local market. Um, I think that, you know, one of the other key takeaways is the, the carrots and the incentives and the various channel programs that are starting to be filtered into the whole partner network. Mm. So uh, again, some of those things you probably won't hear. If you weren't here, you wouldn't hear them for another 12 months. Uh, so even if they're not in your local market right now, they a, a lot of them do end up trickling down. So um, I guess just being early to a lot of those messages and before they get watered down. Yeah, it's good to be aware of those things up front. And you know, one of the things I, I find, you know, representing a, a, a small partner myself, 
um, you know, our firm Gorilla, we we want to stay at the forefront of what's happening, but you get so busy during the year, you know, taking care of all of your bits and pieces, uh, running your business, that you you don't always catch up with those things. And here you've just got that that absolute intensity of hearing the messages around all the products and so on. And it really does help you set your strategy and so on for, for the year ahead by hearing those things. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, and I mean the sessions, I think the, the more you come here you find yourself you, you're not running as much to every session to catch every last piece of information. You can catch up on that, but you really got to make the uh, most of some of those expo areas, some of the um, links and connects that are available to um, meet and greet people. Um, and yeah, I think it's it's probably just like I say, slowly coming together, coming together with some right pieces. But and in terms of the excitement piece, you know, the whole obviously. Tiles, tiles, tiles. You're seeing the same kind of styling everywhere across the whole uh, group. So uh, I, yeah, I don't want to say it too much, but um, look forward to the next sort of six, twelve months. The consistency of the messaging, I think, is what yeah. we're hearing from a lot of partners at the moment. I think Paul and I uh, talked in the podcast last night. Is that even in the slide decks? you see that they're using a tile-based yep. system. So it's, you know, as Steve Barmer said, it's you know, little screen, medium screen, big screen, yep. and you're starting to see that. And if, if, if you as partners are picking that up, then that's great that the message is being delivered to the partner community, which is good. Yeah. I that, think that, That's quite a change for Microsoft because it's, it's really, you know, we're seeing a real visual style. We're seeing something that's being designed. It's, uh, you know, it just, it looks really good. And that's, you know, Traditionally, Apple's sort of been the cool, sort of stylish, um, you know, brand in terms of the way they represent themselves. Uh, but it's, you know, it's great, great to see um, that, yeah, that consistency and sort of style coming across. Probably the biggest thing I think where I saw that style today was actually through the link demos and actually seeing right from the desktop, you know, again, Brad, the uh, the big screen, the small screen, the medium screen, whether it was the PC, whether it was the smartphone, whether it was the touch whiteboard, right through to actually looking at how Xbox Connect is going to arrive in the business space and has applications, is going to have the link integration as well. So pretty consistent and um, that's just one product. Yeah. So have you spent much time in the marketplace at all? Yeah, I've spent a bit of time in the marketplace, uh, mainly around the, I guess, the pieces that are helping um, the, our business grow. So the pinpoints, uh, the partner networks. Uh, I, I briefly went to some of the application sides today. Definitely a bunch of um, cloud providers out yeah. there. Yeah. So um, yeah. we've seen a lot of that. A lot of cloud providers. A lot more than what I think we've been exposed to in New Zealand. Um, I think a lot of um, Intune and just private cloud, public cloud, well, more private cloud-based people out there. So. And, and we're seeing that that's growing in New Zealand too, aren't we, in, in terms of those um, those other sort of, uh, you know, providers for cl- private cloud infrastructure and so on. Yeah, most definitely. Which is great, yeah. So, I mean, over the next few days, we've, we've still got two more days to go. Well, what are the key things that you'd like to see delivered? I mean, we've got Kevin Turner tomorrow, then the wrap-up on Thursday. So what, what else do you want to get out of the next few days? So I guess uh, the next few days are quite, always quite like Kevin's session. It always has a bit of um, upbeat, quite um, fast and um, aggressive, I guess yeah, you'd say. Yeah. And um, that's always quite a buzz at the end of it. Um, other, other kind of sessions I've got to uh, really just looking at 
more of the cloud side of things, um, perhaps how the Azure side affects us or will affect us, and finally, yeah, again, focused on the SMB space. So there's a whole track here dedicated to SMB, and uh, I'll be attending a few of those sessions too. Good, good, and uh, looking forward to hearing our Sir Richard Branson on uh, on Thursday. Oh, of course, I think probably uh, most people's little entrepreneurial dream yeah. to uh, you know read the books, heard the story, um, see him in person. Um, yeah, it'll be great. It'll be uh, probably inspiring and probably actually an interesting thing I haven't mentioned. The one thing I did think at the start of the conference, there was a hole in for those that watched the keynote session. I actually thought for the first time ever, I thought, oh, this is for Microsoft. There's, there's almost a bit of style here going on, you know? This is pretty scary. We said the same thing, that it wasn't Steve Barmer jumping around putting on a show. It was Steve Par Barmer actually telling us something that we could actually take away. And it was very different that you actually got value. It wasn't, you know what I mean? He wasn't entertaining you. He was informing us. Yeah. And I, yeah, it's interesting that you've come across that as well. It's obviously mm -hmm. something beyond what we've picked up, which is mm -hmm. great to see. All right, thanks for joining us on the uh, the NZ Tech Podcast. No worries. Thank you. So, Paul, you managed to get into the intern session this afternoon. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so um, what they've just announced is that Intune 2.0 is now available in, uh, in a beta form. Now, this is one of Microsoft's uh, newest cloud offerings. Uh, became available just a few months before Office 365. And what it is is a, uh, a cloud-based management toolset for managing PCs and laptops. Uh, at the moment, it doesn't handle... Uh, uh, service just yet. Um, it is purely Windows based so no ability to sort of manage you know other platforms like Macs and so on um, but for those environments that that, uh, that fit that mix um, it looks as though this new version is going to be quite good. They haven't uh, again confirmed sort of a, a release date but the fact that it's in beta now I'd imagine it's only a few months off. Um, yeah, I would, I would, I'd like to think it'll be out this year uh, that we would see this new version of Intune. And it, it, the current version comes with some capabilities around uh, software you know, distribution of uh, updates and so on. And uh, the new version brings software distribution both of, of Microsoft software and of uh, third-party applications. So it's it's quite interesting. Effectively, they give you a, a um, an Azure-based uh, cloud storage where you can put up the uh, the apps for installation and then push those out uh, down to workstations via the cloud. So would a lot of businesses want to adopt this at the moment or would you recommend they should wait till version maybe 3 comes out if it can't manage servers? Yeah, I think you know organisations are going to have differing requirements, but it, it is one of those new uh, you know new products that's you know obviously uh, iterating reasonably quickly because we've just seen it you know we've just seen a version released in March. They've now got another version on the way. Uh, you know I don't think we'll probably gain uh, you know mainstream adoption until you know, probably a little bit further down the track but as organisations move to the cloud and move away from having management infrastructure and other sort of infrastructure on premises as they move to the likes of Office 365 then tools like this are going to become you know, really essential to the business. Uh, I'm certainly hopeful that they fill in some of those gaps around server support, uh, support for other systems because it's quite common within you know, even small businesses to have you know, have some Macs in the environment, 
and other bits and pieces. So, uh, you know, let's hope that sort of stuff comes along. But for those that are interested, it's, it's worth uh, having a look and, and getting your hands on the um, on the beta and, and giving it a try. It's going to be interesting to see how partners actually embrace this and actually build up a services capability around it because obviously you can go out, customers can buy this in the cloud right now, but if partners actually pull together a proper services management model around this, you can actually make a lot, you can actually have annuity revenue coming through, real easy for people to make money out of, and also for, easy for the IT pros, they can set up using a nice portal to manage and deploy software and do inventory and stuff like that. So That's right, yeah, and what, what we heard from the, the uh, large portion of the session was taken up by partners that, are, that have already uh, started using it with their customers. The interesting thing we heard was that these partners are making it part of a sort of managed services offering so the customers never actually build for the product by uh, by Microsoft the uh, the partner is getting billed for it they're working just working that into their their management fee uh, so that's quite an interesting take on on, on handling that um, so yeah it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how how different organizations adopt that and uh, you know how it, how it works covering the bases one of the partners was saying they or they Use systems. They use the system centre uh, range of products already, and they use this sort of as a little bit of an adjunct to that. So it doesn't. They're saying at this stage it doesn't replace it. What we're hearing from Microsoft is longer term. Uh, this offering would be something that would replace the system centre, uh, you know, tools that we use today on premises. So yeah, it's quite it's quite an interesting uh, one to see. But yeah, it certainly is in, a, in its early stages, and, and I think it will take some time before it, you know it reaches that widespread adoption. Awesome. Awesome. Now, while we're over here, obviously, we're, it's a huge conference. There's about fifteen or 16,000 people here, but there are a lot of Kiwis floating around here. Obviously, the ones that come over from WPC, but there's also local Kiwis out here on the market floor. Now, I met up with a gentleman called Josh Gibbs from New Zealand. Um, he's actually developing for Guava Software at the moment. They do anti-spam, anti-virus protection, um, cybercrime protection, outbound protection, and it, what you tend to find around, you walk around, and for such a small country, there are just Kiwis everywhere doing amazing things in international companies and you know, the guys at Guava were really interesting to talk to and as soon as they, they heard my accent they went we've got one of you in our place and we, it was oh, real, really? And it's really interesting that we, we stand out and we definitely punch above our weight and it was great talking to Josh and the team over there at Guava just about what they've been doing and, and some of the products but seeing these, these guys develop from New Zealand it's really good now we're going to try and catch some other people tomorrow that are doing some international work um, we hope to catch up with the help desk people help me out here Paul uh, see skip we might need to enter that part out part two um, and hopefully we'll be able to interview some of the more our local partner for the APAC awards now the APAC awards uh, are going to be presented by Kevin Turner tomorrow and we'll hopefully have some interviews with some of our local New Zealand winners after that session that sounds, that sounds great. Um, yeah, there, there's, there certainly is a, a lot of Kiwis that we've come across, and I even noticed the same last year, you know, just bumping into people that, oh, you're from New Zealand? Yeah, I'm from New Zealand too, or I'm working, you know, working with somebody else who's a, who's a, who's a Kiwi. And, uh, yeah, it's great to see, you know, um, you know New Zealanders that are, that are really doing well on, the, on a, you know, international basis. So, yeah. Cool. All right, so WPC will be day three tomorrow. Um, we've got a really busy schedule tomorrow. Lots of partner interviews happening. Um, it's been a really busy day. We'll give you an update from the marketplace. We've been a bit busy today to go around the marketplace, so there's a lot of new technology there. We'll hopefully walk around, give you a bit of an appraisal, give maybe some interviews from some, um, some of the vendors here, and we'll uh, give you an update from, t- from tomorrow. 
Yeah, so thanks very much for listening into this special edition of the uh, the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Uh, of course, you can find us online, nztechpodcast.com, our Twitter handle being nztechpodcast, and on facebook.com slash nztechpodcast. So, uh, yeah, we look forward to catching up with you soon, uh, whether that's on our next episode or catching you online. If you've got any questions, do feel free to, uh, uh, to send us a message via Twitter or one of those other channels. Thanks very much. Cheers. Thanks very much, John. Super excited.